Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means, and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I'm Gage Jordan, lead pastor of First Presbyterian Dyersburg in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Gage, uh, good to be back with you and our listeners uh, for our series as we are going through the Old Testament and talking through uh, how these Old Testament books, book by book, how they point to Jesus, because we do believe that... Uh, all of the Bible is about Jesus. That and, and when when in Luke twenty four, when it says beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all the things uh, 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 the concerning himself. Um, that means that at that point, beginning in Moses and all the prophets, that means the whole Old Testament. Uh, that yeah. Jesus, Jesus' claim about himself was that it was all about himself, and so we're trying to show that to our listeners uh, book by book and give overviews. And so before we do that, we want to um, want to remind our listeners that we belong to the Society of Reform Podcasts, and we would love for you to check out, go to reformpodcasts.com and check out some of the other great shows that they have. And speaking of that, Gage, we are due for another joint episode with some of our friends. I was talking to our friend Justin from Distilling Theology, and we're going to try yes. to we're going to try to get on their calendar to record another joint episode with with Justin and Blake. So uh, be watching for that coming soon. Hopefully, Justin and Blake tell if them, you're tell them to tell them to bring the distilling spirits, and we'll bring the podcast. So it'll be just fine. That sounds great. That sounds great. Uh, but Gage, uh, this uh, this week we have landed at the Psalms, and we're going to spend a few weeks on the Psalms. But what's the first thing that our listeners need to know uh, when we come to the Psalms about understanding what they are? Absolutely, and you know, it feels like we've hit the officially hit the halfway mark in our our journey here of going through the old testament when you hit the just like when you're going through the bible the psalms are in the middle uh we've hit the the middle of our our podcast and um it is a doozy there are 150 psalms uh made up of five different books right so uh these are actually it's not as if somebody one person wrote 150 psalms these are actually a collection uh, of Psalms, you know, you have the lion's share done by David, but you also have one by Moses. You have son, the sons um, of Korah. You have uh, Asaph, uh, other other Psalms, but you have five books that have kind of been put together and and paint this beautiful tapestry and tell this story. Uh, book one consists of Psalm one through forty one. Uh, book two is forty two through seventy two. Book three is seventy three through eighty nine. Book four is 90 through 106, uh, and book five is 107 through 150. And you'll notice in your Bible where you're at, because like if you open into the very first psalm, it says book one at the top. So you'll know kind of what book you're in 
uh, depending on kind of kind of where you're at. And there's different categories we're going to get into in the, in the episode of, of the Psalms. But the biggest thing, you know, uh, Scott, you mentioned our favorite passage, our, our kind of thematic passage here in Luke 24. And you talked about uh, the law and the prophets. But I want to highlight here um, verse 44 uh, of Luke 24. Then he said to them, these are the words that I have spoken to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So as, as Jesus is talking to our buddies on the road to Emmaus, um, he, as he's unfolding the storyline of the Bible, this crimson thread um, that it is um, the Psalms are included in this fulfillment that Jesus had in mind as he's not only um, giving us his um, righteousness on the cross, but also as he is giving us his, his passive and active obedience. Right. Um, and, right. and meaning what that means is not only are, is Christ's righteousness credited to our account, but his, his living life we couldn't live is credited to our account. And part of that includes Jesus saying, I've not only fulfilled the law's demands in being the high priest and the sacrifice on the cross, but also I have fulfilled the law's demands right down to the Psalms, to the, to everything that the Psalms was talking about. So why is that important? That's important because when you and I talk about having what we call a Christocentric or a Christ centered view of the scriptures, meaning we think that every single section of the Bible is about Jesus um, we get to the Psalms and you go, okay, Scott and Gage, what are you going to do with this? We're, we're, we're going to do with this, what we've done with all the other books, because Jesus said, that's what this is about. And so now it, it affects how you and I, and we want to talk about this a little bit, Scott, how you and I, um, read the Psalms, you know, interesting enough, uh, I don't know if you remember this or not, you, uh, you and your wife and, and a few friends of ours, we were all at, at GA in Dallas a couple of years ago and we're at dinner and we were having this conversation and it's actually Leanne who said, Hey guys, I'm, I'm reading the Psalms and I, I literally have gotten to the point where I, I'm looking at this and every single one of these is about Jesus. And, it, mm-hmm. and and that was kind of the for for me at least changed yeah. your your wife changed the way I, I I read the Psalms after that right yeah she she um, actually it, it goes on she says it, it, I read them as though Jesus Himself is praying them yeah that's right that's right that's right so why that's different than how some of our other brothers and sisters think about the Psalms right yeah, yeah they tend right. to tend to tend to do this like dual fulfillment always process. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so talk about that a little bit, Scott. Well, I thought the easiest thing for our readers to kind of get a sense of how it is that we're coming to this is through, is just jump into the first Psalm, Psalm 1. And it's one that our listeners, if they have any um, experience with the Bible, they probably are familiar with Psalm 1. Uh, it's not a long Psalm. I'm just going to read it. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, It's and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked 
are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Um, that is a um, that that is one that we're all really familiar with. But I, I want us to look at first of all um, what Psalm one is required. What is that? righteousness look like. And so it says, blesses the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Um, he's using this th- these, these three ways of poetic language here. There's mm-hmm. these three postures. There's one of sitting, there's one of walking, and there's one of standing. And our listeners should, when they hear those sitting, walking, standing, they probably should think of Deuteronomy 6, which is teaching us about how often we should teach our children about the Lord. What does it say in Deuteronomy 6? You should teach them uh, today when you lie down, when you rise up, when you walk along the way, right? This, these three sort of ways in which you do it. And what is that when it says, when you, you shall teach them when you, when you lie down, when you rise up, when you walk along the way, what is that getting at? It's getting at all the time, right? All the time. There's never a time that structure there in Deuteronomy 6 is just a poetic way of saying you should always be teaching your children about the Lord. There should never be a time when you're not doing that. And so what what is going on here with sitting, standing, and walking is it's a way of saying all the time that we should That's always, right. there's never a time, the, the uh, blessed is a man who doesn't walk in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of scoffers or stand in the way. It's it's talking about all the time. It's kind of reminds me of green eggs and ham. You know, I, I do not want them. I do not want green <laughs> eggs and ham with a, in a house with a mouse on a train in the rain and the, with a fox in a box. What's That's he right. saying? There's never a time when I, that I want to eat green eggs and ham. That's and right. then when he does want green eggs and ham, he reiterates it all again. I'll eat them in the rain. I'll eat them on a train. I'll eat them in a box. And that's, and right. that's what's going on here is this is a picture of, of constant, all the time obedience. And, uh, and, all, and guess all who the does time. that? Guess who that's does right. That. It's Jesus. Spoiler that's alert. Exactly right. It's not you. Uh, right? uh, in fact, you're, you're, you're not David and you're not in this passage either. <laughs> like, yeah, because, is, and that's, not, yeah. that's the beauty of it is, is verse one talks about a man who, 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 who doesn't, he doesn't sin in this way. He doesn't sin in this way. And he doesn't sin in this way. And then verse two is, well, then what does he do? What does he sure. do is that he d- meditates on the law of God. And does he d- do right. it for one hour each Sunday? or for 30 minutes during his quiet time? No, day and night. Yes. Again, this is, he is, this is always the man. meditating on God's law. That's right. This is the man who, after 40 days of not eating in the wilderness, when Satan shows up, constantly just goes back to the word because... Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And, you know, and and that is one person, and his name is Jesus. It's it's not right. any of us because all of us would would have folded like a lawn chair after That's after right. probably day one, right? Not day forty of not eating, and then dealing with Satan himself. Uh, and that's really important because also what should happen with with the readers. As you read you read verse one, excuse me, when you read verse one and 
it should sound like something you've heard before. Blessed are the meek, for they inherit the earth. Uh, blessed are the humble. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And if you read those passages, Scott, and you just got, got through not too long ago going through Matthew and dealing with the Beatitudes, if you read that passage and immediately think, okay, Scott, we've got to figure out how to be meek. We've got to figure out how to hunger. we got to figure out how to be poor in spirit so that Jesus will love us more. You're going to miss the point, right? Here, too, if you read this passage, because I've heard this passage taught this way, well, if you want to be a blessed man, Scott, you need to make sure that you're walking not in the counsel of the wicked, and not nor sitting in the seat of scoffers, nor standing in the way of sinners. You got to make sure you know you you don't dance, you don't smoke, you don't drink. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I've heard I've heard it it preached that way because it it takes this moralistic, man centered view to the passage when in reality. What's really happening, you and I were talking about this off, offline, that's distinctly reformed and, and distinctly part of our Presbyterian theology, is this is third use of the law, right? This is uh, not third use. It's first partially use. third use, use. But, it, but it's also first use at the same right. time, right? Like there, there is a sense in which you should read this passage, and this is the way in which the life of a Christian should be. That is true. But really what's happening is first use. The mirror is being held up. Yeah, it's killing and, us. It's killing and you're us. Look, and you're looking, and, and you're confessing the way that Paul did in Romans 7. If it had not been for the law, I wouldn't know what it is to covet. But the fact that it said don't, now that's all I want to do, right? right. Uh, so, so now you and I read this passage, and we realize, man, we sit in the seat of scoffers all the time, right? That's right. We that's constantly right. find ourselves in the way of sinners. We we constantly are getting the counsel of the wicked of the culture and the world and getting wrapped up in things that that we don't do. We do the opposite of what Paul told the Thessalonians to live a quiet life and tend to our own business. Right? If that if that were actually the case that we followed, Facebook wouldn't exist. That's right. <laughs> you know? But like that's not what we do, um, and it, and it forces us to then ask who the man is. Yeah, that's exactly right. The the what what what's what verse one and verse two are doing is they're holding before us a mirror or a picture of what righteousness looks like. What what righteous blessed is a man who doesn't sin in where he goes, in what he says, and in what counsel he entertains. But instead of that, he meditates on God's law day and night. He his, he delights in it day and night. That's right. That's and right. and if and if and if if you can look in that mirror and see a reflection of yourself that looks like it matches what's being described, then you're looking at a funhouse mirror, right? You're That's you're right. like those you're That's like right. those girls who take a picture of themselves on Instagram and they p- apply all these filters that make them look 30 years younger, 20, 10 years younger, 20 years younger. And then they post it and everybody, all of their friends are going, you don't look like that. That doesn't look like you at all. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, everything, every, the, the whole photo has just gotten the soft focus. That's uh, we're really, really looking at it. We're looking at ourselves in a pretty soft focus. If, if we read that and we're not just cut to the heart. That's right. That's right. That's the purpose. That's what's going on here is that it is meant to 
humble us. We are to appraise ourselves. We are to see this that God's law is heavier, bigger, harsher, wider, deeper, and more demanding than we in our sin want to believe. Absolutely. So then, you know, you deal with the next verse, right? He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. Um, and, and then you start to match that up against other analogies and other uh, uh, pictures of rivers, right? You think about Zechariah 3, after the angel of the Lord, which is an, an old, old Testament appearing of Jesus, um, shows up, rebukes Satan, and rescues Josh, uh, Joshua the high priest, reclothes him, similar to the way in which the parable of the prodigal son takes place, reclothes him, and then and then he addresses his friends. And what does he tell him at the end of Zechariah three? You're gonna there's gonna come a time where I'm gonna forgive your iniquity in a single day on a stone with seven with with seven eyes, right? Like. Uh, which is really, you know, it's Chronicles of Narnia and the lion yeah. on, on the on the stone and all stone that, table. right? But yeah, but like in that reality, he then says, and there's going to come a time where you're going to gather the nations underneath a tree, right? You fast forward, you get to Revelation, um, and how does the story end? There, there's a tree whose uh, leaves are the are the healing of the nations and whose river of life gives eternal life of, of from whom the people of God drink from it. Hey, guess what? Jesus is the tree in this song. That's right. Jesus is the river by which we are gathering and, and our leaves never wither because That's everything right. else is going to kill you, right? right? Everything else is going to cause things to wither away and die. That's right. Just like he, he's, he's just like Jesus is the tree and we are the leaves that don't wither because we're connected. It's the same way when he says, I'm the vine. That's and right. You're the branches. Same, same language. Just a, 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 a leaves are to a tree as a vine is to branches as branches are to a vine. And, and that is we find ourselves in him. And so what you have in Psalm one is you have, you have Jesus who has, who has taken on all of the punishment that the wicked deserve. We're, right. we're not righteous, according to Psalm 1 and 2. Jesus is. Uh, we are found in him. Jesus is the one who stood in judgment. Jesus is the one who, who, who on the cross withered in our place. He became like chaff. He became dried up and like chaff. And so that we can be, we can be like him. That's the, um, yeah. Well, Gage, do you want to, we've got, we still have another uh, few minutes here. I would like us to maybe look at, um, look at Psalm two. That's right. Um, That's right. as well. And, uh, I'll, I'll read it. And, uh, it's a, it's a fun one as well. Um, why I do the do, nations before you, before you, before right, you get yeah. in that, I'm sorry, Scott, before you get in that, I do want to point out one more, one more thing about Psalm one, you know, you, you mentioned, mentioned that, um, a couple, a couple of things I want to point out before we, before we move on to Psalm two. Um, one, we should be reading at this point, and hopefully in the other episodes you picked up on this, when Jesus is giving us uh, his illustrations, his stories, his analogies um, in the Gospels, this isn't anything new. He's not telling you something different. He's literally pulling from the Old Testament. It reminds me, Scott, if you ever saw that interview with, with John MacArthur and Ben Shapiro, 
um, you know, Ben being uh, Jew. a Jew, a Jew guy, a Jew, yes, um, and uh, John MacArthur being a Baptist, and they're having this conversation, and and Ben gets gets so very close to the gospel because mm-hmm. what he what he says is, um, you know, I read Jesus's teachings, and I realize all he's doing is being the best. Jew possible. All he's doing is being an, an accurate Jew based off of the the teachings of the Torah. Uh and I'm going, yeah, Ben. Yeah. Come come on. You're almost there, bro. You're not yeah. far from the kingdom. <laughs> keep 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 going. But that's the truth here, right? Like that yeah. when when Jesus is telling you I am the vine and you're the branches, he's he's just pulling from Psalm one. When he's yeah. telling you, Blessed are the peacemakers, uh, for they they will inherit the kingdom of God, all he's doing is pulling from Psalm one. You know, when right. he when he's he's giving he's telling you the story of the of the the prodigal son, all he's doing is retelling Zechariah three. Yeah. Um and, and, and so there there's that beauty there. You also talked about this, and I think it's important. Just like we can't read this passage and say, well, I must be figure out how to be the blessed man here. Um, the other thing we can't do is create an us versus them with the wicked, right? That will be that you will be um, sadly mistaken if you think, well, obviously we're the righteous and they're the wicked. And, and you know, just like rapture teaching with dispensationalism, like one day we're we're going to get rescued from all these bad people. No, brother and sister, you're you're the wicked outside of Jesus, right? You were dead in your trespasses and sins, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit uh, uh, that is now in the sign of, of disobedience. You were dead, right? You Gentiles were outside uh, of the commonwealth of Israel. Uh, you had no hope and without God in the world. This is who you were. You in, in this passage outside of Jesus, declaring you righteous, and like you said, taking the judgment on himself, You that's the only way you get moved into this righteous category. Um, otherwise you are the sinners in the congregation. <laughs> yeah. So that's, this is helpful, but let's, let's dig into Psalm then, two. Yeah. Let me read Psalm. Let me read Psalm two. And, um, I'm going to, uh, let me, before I read Psalm two, if our, if our listeners, maybe if you're listening to this, uh, and you're not driving, maybe you've opened up the Psalms and you're looking at it with us. And so if so, one of the, I'm going to give you a little, a little cue or clue on how to read Psalm two. Psalm two has multiple voices talking. So I'm going to explain Psalm two through the use of the, the, the musical Greece, the the great (laughs) theological musical Greece with John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John when they, when they sing summer 11, Summer loving yes. had me a blast. Summer loving happened so fast. I met a girl crazy for me. I met a boy cute as can be. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I. I, I don't want to. Uh, That's um, impressive. Start singing you know, it. Grace. Thanks. I like I, it. I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not proud of it. Um, but what you have in that, what you have in that, as you're watching it, is it's cutting back and forth where John Travolta is singing to his buddies and Olivia Newton John yes. is singing to her girlfriends. That's and right. then and then the friends both chime in tell me more tell me more and they're they're going back and forth and if you don't know anyway if you know that when you're watching it on screen it's all very clear but when you read this this too has multiple voices and and they and it's the action switches back and forth and when you know that you're able to make sense of psalm 2 because mm-hmm. listen this mm-hmm. is a this is you know psalm the psalms are a hymnal 
And this is so what's going on here. So let's look at Psalm, right. Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves against, and, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast their cords away from us. Right. So you've got you've got sort of the narrator. You've got what the kings of the earth say. And then the the narrator, so to speak, again, says, he who sits in the heavens laugh, the Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, and now here is a voice, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. And that's, you said that's God the Father speaking in verse six there. Mm -hmm. And then we have, we have Jesus speaking here. I mean, this is clearly Christ. Who is I will the tell, anointed. Who is, is the anointed, the, yeah. He's, He's the, the king on Zion, the holy hill. That's right. That's right, yeah. That's right, yep. Uh, and then, so the king, the father, the Lord says, who says, as for me, and I hear you kings of the earth, you president of the United States, you secretary general of the United Nations, Vladimir Putin, and, and, and kings of the earth, uh, I'm going to tell you who my king is. I have set him on Zion, my holy hill. And now that king speaks i will tell of the decree the lord said to me you are my son today i have begotten you ask of me and i will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel so you got the father speaking in verse six you've got the son speaking in verses seven through nine that's right and then the narrator says now, therefore, O kings, therefore what? Oh, in light of all that you just heard, that God the Father has a king, and it's his son, and he set him on Zion, his holy hill. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. So here's a son who we need to make peace with. Mm-hmm because he has anger and he has wrath that is quickly kindled. But then the last verse of the last sentence <laughs> of right. is, is blessed are all who take refuge in him. So the one who has wrath, the, who has a quickly kindled wrath and will cause you to, in his anger, cause you to perish. That one also is a place of refuge. That's right. In himself. That's right. So, Scott, th- this is, you know, when you get to verse 12, this is where we want to do our best uh, gentle and lowly Dane Ortland impression, right? You're you're expect- expecting, you're not expecting the last sentence. No, <laughs> you're, you're expecting if the wrath is quickly kindled, the next sentence you're anticipating is, and and you are going to be consumed, right? right. That's, the, that's the thing you're expecting. But this last sentence actually shows that the son is trying to rescue you from the wrath that you're deserving by mm-hmm. finding refuge in him. And that, yes. and that's the, the gospel in, in a nutshell. And, and just so our, our listeners know, we're not just pulling this out in left field, Scott, and this, this may be kind of what you were thinking, where you were going. Let's go to Hebrews one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He, Hebrews chapter one. Uh, I'll just, I'll read the, the first section. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, 
He has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He, he being the son, the anointed Jesus, is the radiance of of the glory uh, of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, uh, having become as much superior to angels in the name that he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For which of the angels did God ever say? And what is the writer of Hebrews quote? Psalm 2. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Um, so you can you can see here the the writers of the Old Testament, the apostles, are reading the Psalms this way also, right? They're looking back and going, we found the son in Psalm 2. His name's right. Jesus. He's the radiance of the Father's glory. So that starts to then shape how we read every single Psalm. Does that mean, exactly Scott, right. that, that there's never... Um, there's never anything related to David or a, a context in the Old Testament in, in in the Psalms. No, that's not what it means at all. And and in our next episode, you know, we may even highlight like Psalm three, for example, where the footnote there is when David fled from Absalom's son. Right? There's there's actual context in real life happening at the beginning of, of Psalm three, but even Psalm three is about Jesus. And we, we can, we can dig into, into that. Um, yeah. There, there are going to be times where you're going to read the Psalms and there are going to be things in David's life, things in Solomon's life, things in Moses's life, whoever, um, that are relevant to understanding what, what the Psalm is about. And, and the context helps you to interpret the passage correctly in, in all the ways that we've talked about, properly um, reading your Bible. But ultimately, if all had to be fulfilled in the scriptures by Jesus, and part of that all being fulfilled, he says, are the Psalms, then that means that Psalm 1 through Psalm 150 are about Jesus every single time. That's right. Back to your, back to connecting those dots between um, Hebrews 1 and Psalm 2, what what was it that Psalm 2 says is that I have I will make the nations your heritage. Mm-hmm. Um that that word heritage is is where we get the word is is uh, inher- inheritance, right? They are the nations are gonna belong to you. And so what does it say in Psalm in Hebrews 1? And that is uh he is through whom he made heir of all things. Uh, he is, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. That includes, right. that, in, that means even the nations. The nations are his inheritance. Yep. Yep. This name that he's been given is a title, right? That's right. And, it, and that title is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, right? So the nations are his, his inheritance. Um, and, and part of that, has to do with him being on Zion. Well, what is Zion? Well, think about how Hebrews ends, right? You haven't come to Sinai uh, into uh, a a ball of fire and a, and a tempest and, and you know, animals that can't touch mountains for they're going to die and people that are afraid to hear, hear um, lest they die also. 
and uh, he had to have an intermediary and Moses speak, speak to them on behalf of God. No, you have come to Zion and to the king who's sitting on this holy hill. And in other words, you've come to Jesus and the new Jerusalem has come down. It's called the church. Right. And so in all, all that reality, it helps you start to put these pieces together that there isn't one thing that's happening in the Old Testament. One thing is happening in the New Testament. There isn't one thing that's happening with Israel and a different thing that's happening with the church. There is one crimson thread. There is one story. And even the Psalms are about Jesus. Amen. Folks, we hope this has been helpful. Um, we have just scratched the surface. There's a lot more Psalms to cover. We're not going to cover every single one of them. But when we when you talk about the Psalms and you talk about Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, those are two of the most familiar Psalms to people. And so hopefully we just showed you how just right out of the gate with these Psalms, it is not, it doesn't take uh, imagination or cleverness um, to to do this. This is this just when you when you go to the Psalms saying, how is this about Jesus? Because Jesus says it's about himself, mm-hmm. then it's it's actually not hard. It's actually not hard to see it. We're we're just reading the Psalms the way Jesus has told us. That's absolutely right. So we hope this is helpful. Let me give you a couple of resources um, to check out and, and think through uh, as you're kind of con- continuing your study in the Psalms. Um John Piper has a great um, series of videos on Psalm 1 uh, that will also help connect some of these dots we talked about today through his Look at the Book series, and you can find it on YouTube, and we'd commend it to you. Alistair Begg has has a great series of, of sermons in the Psalms where he makes this, the same same connections. We would commend those to you as well. Uh, just, just a couple of, of resources that are really helpful in, in thinking through this. Um, you can also... Uh, Dane Ortland does have a devotional that you can you can listen to through podcasts that goes through the Psalms every every single day. Chad Bird also has um, in in his books where he deals with the Old Testament. Um, he deals with several of the Psalms that would be super helpful. You can listen to those through through podcasts for free as well. Uh, and and check out um, the other shows on the Society of Reform podcast, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode. A lot of those guys talk about psalm singing and why they sing the psalms and how they see Jesus. Uh, even in the psalms, we would commend those to you as, as well. Uh, and if you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you. You can always hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Um, and you can uh, also reach us at contact at assuranceofpardon.com. Um, and we'll receive that email and be able to engage with you. And um, if you're wanting to dig into this, don't forget uh, that we are sponsored by Logos Bible Software, and we would commend that to you. You can actually get a, a special discount if you go to assuranceofpardon.com slash Logos and get a few books to dig in and get started in your study of the Psalms. And Scott, until next time, this is Assurance of Pardon. God bless. Yeah.